You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Well, hey, Resonate. Today we are back in the Gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 22. Um, We are kind of arriving kind of at the end of the story. In fact, we're going to be in a place where this is kind of Jesus's last moments with his disciples. It's called the Last Supper. And one of the key things that I want to continue to point to is, is really Luke's intent here. Luke isn't primarily telling us a story to show us how to live, but to tell us what to live for in this entire thing. And that really becomes critical today. He's telling the story of how God and his fulfillment of his plan is really the point of this entire narrative of Jesus's life, that God and what he is doing is becoming sharpened in view of what he wants to show us. And so it's not just how we live, but it's what we live for. And for us um, today, as we get into this moment of the Last Supper, it's one of the places where Jesus begins to do something really special. What he does is he takes this moment and he begins to use this moment to reveal um, what we call one of the church ordinances. And one of these church ordinances is called communion. So we have two, we have baptism and we have the Lord's Supper. And these two things really allow us to have these behaviors, these actions that take, and they point to something that's much more significant. So we use these tangible things to point to the intangible things so that we understand the intangible things a little bit more significantly. And so today we get into this thing called communion. And if you've been around Resonate, if you've seen the Resonate service, one of the things uh, maybe you've, you've seen or you've experienced is this idea of communion. And I want to get into this just a little bit deeper because it needs a little bit more explanation. When I was a kid, uh, I grew up and my church would do communion regularly. And, uh, and it was kind of a freaky experience. Um, and I remember these people would bring together or bring to us these like silver platters. And the first thing that they would bring out is the, uh, is the wafers. And it was like these miniature white pieces of, of bread. And so we would take them and we'd have them in our hands and uh, we would we would hold them, and then someone would say this, you know, pretty long, lengthy thing. And I remember, you know, I'd hold it there, and my hands would start getting sweaty, and uh, and the wafer would start kind of getting um, limp. And uh, and you're trying to figure out what's gonna what's gonna happen with this. And then finally, the prayer was said, and then all of a sudden, you can pop that in your mouth, and so you you put it in your mouth and begin to realize this is the worst food ever. Like it's it's horrible. Um, and so then the next thing, there would be more, uh, there would be more silver platters that would come out. And then the next thing was like this little doll cup. And I don't know if you've ever seen these before, but they're common in some churches and a very small amount of liquid would be poured in these. And so you'd take it out and you'd hold it in your hand and wait until the appropriate moment. And then they, uh, then they would tell you to drink this, you know, and then everyone would, would pound the, uh, would pound the little grape juice, uh, you know, doll cup. Anyway, it was this kind of crazy thing. And I remember thinking, this is the Lord's Supper. Like this is what they did. And I mean, I would go back to these pictures of Jesus, you know, and it would be kind of this thin, kind of emaciated looking guy. And I would be like, that's why, that's why he was so thin and emaciated. This is what he was eating for dinner. Um, It was just this kind of crazy thing that was hard to understand. Also those pictures was like, Jesus was this like blue eyed six, two guy. So uh, perfect, you know, beautiful skin. Scandinavian guy, except for 
obviously he was a Middle Eastern man. And so there's all this stuff that was kind of hard to understand. But in the midst of that communion and what it meant was, was one of those things. I remember being as a kid, you know, we would go back to the place they would serve it back to the kitchen and we, you know, you know, it kind of wet our appetite. It was like an appetizer. And so we'd go back and pound Jesus shots. We'd get all these little things and, uh, and we pound, and then we'd take the, the bread and we'd try to feed it to the birds, you know. I was a horrible pastor's kid, but uh, this is just kind of what we begin to understand. And so as we get into this, I want this to come out and we can begin to get meaning. And so as we participate in this, we understood what Jesus did and how it worked itself out to be such a significant thing that the disciples said, hey, when we gather together, one of the things that we need to gather together to do is remember Jesus. And so in chapter 22, we'll start in verse seven and we'll read through this and help us to understand. It says this, then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They ask. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make the preparations there. They left and they found these things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover and think about this. Like, so Jesus said, here's, you're going to find this guy and you're going to have this conversation with this guy and he's going to open up a door and it's going to be ready for you. Like what a mind blowing event for them to, you know, enter into. And so here's, here's what happens. Verse 14. Here's what it says. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at his table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now, the first thing that we need to understand here is the significance of the Passover. See, what Jesus is doing is he's leading them into um, this, this environment, this moment, this context, and he's bringing in something that is basically looking back in the past and also looking towards the future. But he begins by tying together this entire thing by looking at the Passover. And if you don't know what the Passover is, this is, this is really uh, what, he's, what they celebrated looking at God's last massive um, salvific event, this, this event where he brings them out of slavery. The, the Jewish people were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. And then all of a sudden God decides to, uh, to bring them out of slavery and he orchestrates that. And one of the things that he does is he brings these signs that help them to understand uh, his, his significance, that they are to take him seriously, that he has this power and it's supposed to display that to this Egyptian um, Pharaoh. And so it goes through all of these different um, different plagues. But the last thing is the most significant. And the last thing is, is ultimately this, uh, this plague, the, the taking of the firstborn. And so he tells his people, he says, if you will take and, um, and if you'll sacrifice a lamb and you are to, to take that blood and you are to put it over the doorway, what will happen is this spirit will pass by this doorway and they will recognize the obedience of the people to take the commands of uh, of God seriously. But if that doesn't happen, then he will take and he will, um, he, the firstborn will be sacrificed. In this, 
This is so significant because this is the trigger to be able to allow Pharaoh ultimately to release those people to freedom instead of being in slavery. Like this is the last moment. This is the thing that was the final straw that allowed the people to be released into freedom. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is the turning point. This is this last meal. This is the moment that is revealing the thing that Jesus is about to do to radically transform all of the world. And so this is, this is this thing. So he is ultimately going to be the lamb. His blood is going to be the blood that not, uh, that has been sacrificed, that allows the spirit to pass by, that allows this, um, these people to have true freedom and not be enslaved to their sin anymore. And that's key for us to understand and for them to understand, hey, this is actually what Jesus is talking about. This is what is going to happen. This is how he is going to, um, to play this out. In verse 17, he begins to, uh, he begins to show them how this, uh, how this plays out. It says this, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this, and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now, there's something that's here that I think that we often overlook that sometimes is a difficult thing for us to grasp in this because of the, over the overarching narrative of Jesus providing this experience, this sacrifice for us. I want you to get how he does this. He takes and he gives this cup to his disciples and he says, divide it among you. Now, what he could have done is just say, hey, take the cup in front of you. I want you to understand when you take this, there's some symbolism that I'm going to bring into this, but he takes and he allows us to be shared. Now, in some traditions, what they do is they literally take a cup and they pass it from congregant to congregant, from member to member around the, around the room. I remember I was in Estonia for a summer and we did this and they took this cup and, um, and they would give it to the person and then they, you know, they'd drink it and they would wipe the edge of it and give it. And I remember like, it was kind of freaky and definitely unsanitary. And so we don't do that, but I want you to get behind this. What he's saying is this, is that communion is a shared experience. Communion is a shared experience. I want you to get this, that there is something that is um, by, by sharing this together, by taking this idea and saying, hey, we're all a part of this, sharing, to, uh, with, sharing in this with others is a powerful part of this reality, that there's something powerful in the unity of communion, that this brings us together that no matter what issues that we have or might have between us, we are connected together in the oneness of the gospel. That this is that thing where he's saying, I want you to have this experience together. And the unity of the gospel really brings this in for all of us. One common reality is that taking communion represents this unity. And that if there's some relationship that there's uh, it's at odds with each other. There's an issue. Um, it's kind of hard to take communion. And I think that this kind of begins to point to this unity piece. And I've seen people express, and I want to make this right with this person. I, want, I don't want to take communion until there's true reconciliation on my part with my brother and sister in Christ. And I think that that's a part of this, that that communion is meant to be a shared experience. This is why we do this together in our worship environments, that it might point to this unity that God's called us to, uh, to experience. So resonate, community, uh, communion should move us into unity together around this idea. 
In verse 19, he goes on, says this, says, and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them and said this, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is taking this tangible thing and he's making it into something that's intangible. And he's saying, hey, the idea of what I'm about to walk into, it might be difficult for us to continue to have that in the level of significance that, that we might experience now. So what I need us to do is I need us to operate in this reality that communion has to be a reminder. And so I, wanna, I want you to help understand that not only community is a, communion is a shared experience, but communion is a reminder. All throughout our lives, um, we tend to experience the most significance in the present. Um, and, and that's good when our past has issues that, that as we move farther from that, those issues or those difficult circumstances aren't as, aren't as trying or aren't as hard. But when there's things in our past that are beautiful, that are significant, that, that need to form our future, it's, it's, really, um, it's really unfortunate when we move farther away from that and sometimes forget what that means. And so what Jesus did is he took, and, uh, and, and this is one of the clear New Testament um, commands for us that we would remember, that we would bring into our present what happened long ago, that we might be able to take this and understand what is happening here. We need reminders. We need to understand the significance of this. A few years ago, um, in preparation for Easter, uh, a few of us went out um, to a farm and uh, and I tried to demonstrate kind of using this goat that was there, um, what, what it would look like for us to, to kind of see what this sacrificial system would have, would have done. But I remember showing up to this farm and, uh, and there was an actual sacrifice that was going on. There was this other group that was actually um, there on, um, on Good Friday was actually sacrificing this lamb. And I remember thinking like, man, that's really intense. That's almost overwhelming. And, uh, and I remember thinking like, man, that, there's something to that, even just that, that aspect of that sacrifice. And I wonder if sometimes if we sanitize these things and we, and we kind of get farther away from it. And, uh, and I'm not saying that we need to, to sacrifice in this, but it just triggered that thing that the closer you get to the significance of this, to the closer you get to actually what this means, um, the more meaningful it is. And I don't ever want us to sanitize um, this, this action of what hap- really, really happened with Jesus, the horror that happened on the cross, because I think it, it begins to affect oftentimes our worship when we begin to move past it. What, what he says is the truth is we tend to forget. We stop, um, we stop remembering. And what happens is when we start forgetting, we stop caring. And we stop care- when we stop caring, it changes our thoughts and our words and our actions. So here's what Jesus said. Hey, I want you to regularly come back to this behavior because your tendency is going to forget. In verse 20, it goes on. It says this, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And here's what I want you to get, that communion, um, it, it takes and it reminds us of what Jesus accomplished for us. 
See, the blood of the lamb protected those who chose obedience, that protected them from death. And Jesus is clearly saying, hey, this is me. This is my blood and my blood will protect you. My sacrifice will save you. And when there's no, where there's no sacrifice, uh, there's no protection. And this might seem a little crazy, but one day we're all gonna stand before God. And this is either gonna be the greatest day of our life as we, um, as we understand ourselves to be connected deeply and fully to our, to our heavenly father, or it's gonna be the worst day of our life as we begin to say that, that what is required of us that Jesus didn't meet that requirement and it's us who has to meet that requirement with our life. And that's gonna separate us from God. And in that moment, um, we'll clearly see, but the key is that before that moment is we begin to see this is what Jesus accomplished, that it was his blood and it was his body that was broken that allows us one day to stand before a heavenly father full of confidence and Uh, experience him in the fullness of his love. But I want you to understand um, that as you look at this and as you begin to see this action being played out, that communion reminds us also that something happened, that this something that happened, that this thing that happened wasn't just something that uh, is a belief system that that, uh, that a, a teacher came. You see, there's many belief systems. There's many religions that basically uh, happened like this. There's a human that has a lot of combination or has a combination of much charisma and clarity. They create a belief system and then people begin to adopt these beliefs. This is what you can look around the world and begin to say, there's a guy who had these belief system and he had charisma and he begins to say, hey, shouldn't you live life like this? And then all these people begin to say, yes, we wanna live that, like that. We believe you, we think you have a better way to live. But I want you to get that that's not Christianity. And communion points back to something that happened, that we are reminded not of the charismatic nature of our Savior, not of the clarity of, uh, of life and how we are to live life from our Savior. Communion reminds us that something happened and that that something happened so deeply affected the people around that they began to live radically transformed lives that we're not a group of people as Christians that just say, hey, we have these belief systems. We say something happened. And every time we take communion, we point back to the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and say, that's why we do what we do. That's why we have these belief systems, not because of the charismatic and clarity of a human, but, but because something happened. And Luke is telling us, He's showing us, he's putting this into his book to to age after age, year after year, millennium after millennium to tell us decades after the fact, he's writing this to say something happened and that something happened throughout the ages should be celebrated and should be remembered. And that's what we put our hope in. And that's why we sacrifice our lives. And that's what we do what we do because we point back and say, there's something that happens. And ultimately it points back to this. Communion points back to God's control over everything in this world. Because do you see Jesus's words? He's saying, here's the time has come. This is a pivot point for Jesus. He's saying, I'm about to suffer, 
This is about to happen. There's no external reason why any of them would have known that. In fact, we begin to read more and begin to say they're a little bit confused by how this all plays out. But Jesus knows, and as he, and as he tells this to the apostles, he tells this to the disciples, he's revealing, like we talked about in Acts, that he has it all rigged, that this is all part of the plan of Jesus that this is all in his control and in his hands. And he has it from the very beginning. This is the culmination of his, of his place on earth and his place to be able to save his people. And so for us, what we get to see in communion is this beautiful moment where we look back and Jesus points us back to the Passover and says, do you see that I'm in the business of saving? But then he points forward and begins to say, do you see the new covenant? And so for us, when we take communion, every single time we can do the same thing. We look back at Jesus. We look back at what he's done. We look back at his sacrifice. In that moment, as we take that, we recognize its significance to us and its effects on our life. But here's the beauty too. Because of that story, we get to look forward in our life and we get to say that communion reframes everything. And for that moment, all the issues, all the worries, all the anxieties should radically leave because God is in control. And he shows this over and over that in the midst of this action of taking the bread and taking the juice and being able to put it into our mouth, we are recognizing, we are pointing to the fact that he is in control of everything, that something happened that transformed everything. And we can look to our future and we can say that it is filled with hope because of what Jesus has already accomplished. So may we be people, as we experience this beautiful ordinance, never take and mindlessly do the actions without recognizing the significance of what Jesus has done in the past to affect our present and our future. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.